Welcome to The Tangent. I'm Father Sam Kachuba and joined today by Matt Sparaza. And really excited because this is our first episode with well, guests. We, yeah, we got guests. Yeah. We're I'm on so the big excited. time, Father Sam. And we didn't just bring in one guest, we brought in two guests because why bother, like, for your first time doing something really important, just going with one when you can have two? If you don't bring in a pair of guests for your first guest episode, are you even a podcaster? I'm not sure, but uh, I guess I I guess we're we're well. Let's just say we're trailblazers, Uh, we're trendsetters, (laughs) and and we're really changing the way that that people look at the Catholic uh, podcasting landscape. Um, Yeah, yeah. You know, now what? Six episodes in, and that's by making. Yeah, and they look at it now. That's that's what we're doing. Now they look at it. Yeah, they're they're now aware that there is a landscape they weren't before. So yeah. we want to give you as much yeah. of this of as, exactly. as much of this interview and as much time with our guests as possible. So I'm just going to tell you really quickly a little bit about them. You can learn more at tobecomefamily.com. Uh, Monica and Renzo Ortega, uh, amazing uh, married couple from right here in the diocese of Bridgeport, doing great things to to share the the gospel and to share the good news, especially about marriage. Uh, they also are the hosts of Pre-Cana with the Pope, a Catholic podcast about marriage preparation and just about marriage in general. And in this episode, we get a chance to talk to them about youth ministry, about marriage preparation, about married life itself, and, and a whole bunch of other really fun things. Yeah, marriage life insofar as it's a sacrament and and how you're affected by that grace. Marriage life as insofar as it talks about, we talk about the practicalities so like how do you adapt from uh your did, i believe it was or family of origin right i had so so that the habits you grow grow in and then even how that applies to the priesthood right, right so it, it 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 spread from from vocation to vocation uh tangentially but, but, but you know yeah but <laughs> But listen, as you, as you listen here uh, on the radio, you can you can find the full version of, of this wherever you get your favorite podcasts on the Veritas Catholic Network app. And you can find it also on YouTube. So check out the full episode with Renzo and Monica Ortega of The Tangent and enjoy the episode. I am really excited to start this episode of The Tangent. We have our first ever guests on this show. Uh, you're you're the very first, and I'm I'm thrilled to introduce uh, these friends of mine. Uh, they are marriage champions, uh, really encouraging people uh, to to grow in the in the gift of the sacrament of marriage. They're they're awesome parents themselves, and they're just really fun people. Renzo and Monica Ortega, uh, the uh, hosts of Pre Cana with the Pope, a special podcast for. Folks who are are preparing for marriage, uh, they also run to become family, which is a beautiful blog and uh, resource for just about family life and reflections about uh, the spirituality of of being a family. Uh, Renzo is a published author, and uh, they've, they've written about Saint Joseph, and they also do youth ministry and all kinds of other cool things. So, uh, Renzo and Monica, thanks for thanks for joining Thank us today. Thank you for having Thank us. We're so happy to be here. Thank you for having us. Um, you said marriage champion. I'm like, we should get like a trophy for ten years. We should, <laughs> and we should have it displayed behind us. Yeah, that's right. You just celebrated your anniversary. Ten years. We deserve a trophy. Congratulations. Thank you. Us millennials want trophies for everything. Sweet. <laughs> there it is. 
Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a worthwhile thing to want a trophy for. There's there's nothing wrong with that. I, I don't mind. I don't mind. Wow, ten years yeah. of marriage. That's that's unreal. Okay, so Matt just just got married. Yay. I did, yeah. Uh, so um did is did he do a good job? Did he do a good thing? I, is it worth I it? support it. I support it. Good choice. <laughs> You've never even met her. <laughs> I, I withheld my judgment. Yeah, <laughs> see, no, no. So, uh, can I ask uh, your vocation story? Mm. So mine. I know that's a that's a funny thing to ask because usually that has to do with like being a cleric. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong about that, but I feel like that's when it's usually. Oh no, yeah, you know? I don't think. But but how I did you meet? Yeah, idea. no, I think most people think yeah. that the. Uh, I, I like talking about marriage as a yeah, vocation. No, yeah, usually it's. Like, yeah, it's important. Don't you just fall into marriage? Isn't that the default? Yeah. <laughs> like this, is the automatic answer <laughs> on the survey. If you don't answer anything. Um, no, we we started. Well, you you start first. I'll fill in the gaps. Okay. Um, yeah. So we um, we have one of those like really cheesy boy meets world kind of story so we met in elementary school um we went to the same elementary school and um we're in different grades so we weren't super close friends but we knew of each other and our families um i was a cool kid he was the cool kid i was the nerd uh we switched roles later on so that's all right um did we (laughs) no one told me that I feel cooler now. Um, maybe it's just by being around you. Um, but uh, in high school, we um, our our church started a youth group, and um, Renzo, being like the good altar boy, was one of the first to sign up. And then my mom pushed me in the door, kicking and screaming. So we um, became good friends through youth group, um, and then we started dating um, in high school. We had a really cool experience going on our first. Um, conference like youth conference youth retreat Um, and that was when both of us really uh, transformed and decided to like take take our faith seriously and on like like own it Um, and it was shortly after that that we started dating and um, we got married just after I finished college and yeah now 10 years later we have five little kids and they're all sleeping now so thank you for doing this late at night (laughs) It's the only time it's quiet around here. I took a nap today just to get ready for this. <laughs> um, That's what priests do during the day? Nap. You have no idea how difficult it is. <laughs> they nap whenever they want. They schedule their naps. Yes. <laughs> Look, the challenges of celibacy are <laughs> Nap time is not one of them, but I'm just saying. <laughs> Pros and cons. Um, yeah, anything. did I miss yeah. anything? Uh, I was mischaracterized as the good boy. Oh, but it's okay. okay. Besides that, I only went to youth group because there was girls, <laughs> not because of Jesus. I had no, I didn't have any interest in Jesus. Um, but then, though, at some, at one point, I did. Um, I was used to tell Monica how I thought God was calling me to be a priest and mm-hmm. how I was going to enter seminary after after high school. Um, and then after the youth retreat, we went on together. We started dating. So like that, clearly was not his will. But yeah but right so that went according to yeah. plan <laughs> yes yeah so you know it's 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 funny because i'll talk to people and they'll they'll tell me that yeah i went to youth group because there were girls there and and either the story ends as it did for me i went to youth group because there were girls there and and i ended up a priest or they end up meeting their future wife like that's there, no there's in no in between yeah. 
it's it's like oh yeah i went to youth group because of the girls either that means that you you found your spouse there or you ended up in seminary there's <laughs> there is no gap right. otherwise it's like that's that's yeah. it so all right I, I actually didn't know that was your motivation renzo i appreciate wow. that that you and i <laughs> have the same motivation uh <laughs> going to youth group and uh i appreciate that the outcomes yeah. are different for us too yeah <laughs> yeah something no, it, was, it was it was it was i never no go for it no you go well i was just i was just so grateful that i we're... never free oh man that's hilarious that we both did that that's hilarious <laughs> i want you to go you're the guest <laughs> i was just gonna say that i was grateful that that our youth minister started the youth group because like none of what nothing would have happened um if that hadn't happened and like our youth minister we only had like 10 kids oh, if yeah. that and like yeah that first year and like that was just so huge yeah so. and she was like so good but so crazy she took us all out to franciscan oh like out in a bus Ohio. i'm pretty sure she broke like no, 10 diocesan no, rules not by doing in a that. bus in her minivan <laughs> oh, no in her minivan yeah we tr- Shh, we can't we can't talk about <laughs> that oh man that was a while ago so um yeah no we drove out in her minivan us and whoever could pile in um out to ohio yeah. and, and i think that's why we're still involved in youth ministry because like yeah it it's hard to see the ripple effect but we saw it. we see like what that one yes did yeah for us like we are the ripple effects so we're like right. all right let's yeah let's throw the stones <laughs> right. let's, yeah. let's rip it yes. <laughs> let's do it you you had someone who was who was ready to to take you someplace and and invest that time and that energy in you and first of all it made a different a difference for you guys personally in your own life and then yeah, now now you're you're doing the same thing for yeah. for the youth that you work with. That's that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. yeah. All right. So in in your work, then you're doing you've got youth ministry. Um. So you're you're working with uh, the United Youth Group uh, up in in Newtown. Uh, was that New Newtown Brookfield. Bethel and mm-hmm. Brookfield? Okay. Yeah. So doing doing a, a shared youth ministry there. W- what is shared youth ministry like? Uh, we're we're talking about this more and more around the yeah. diocese and. Uh, I'm I'm just curious, like it's, what's what's it like? Because we're going to be moving in that direction. So, in my I think it seems you know, it so. seems very similar to like what what a Protestant megachurch might be like down south. Like it, it, they just serve a region, and like their goal is to like okay. bring as many people together, and then hope that they s- set up their own things once they go back to like their areas. It's like we're trying to get as many teens mm. from all over the area to come to us to to feed them with something that they're going back to their own communities with. Whereas like I think back in the past when you had your own parish, like you'd bring all the kids together from that parish together so they can invest in that parish. But it's not like that anymore. Like you're bringing as many people as possible in from the region, hopefully feed them enough that they can go back and invest in their own small communities when they go back. Um, Which I think that's like the big difference that I'm finding is that it's not just like, let's build up so that we can build here. It's let's build these kids so that they can go out and do what they're doing at, you know, like, they they experienced Jesus and now they're um, volunteering at religious ed at their own parish, for example, versus all at St. Rose. Yeah, so different. Nice. Yeah, but I, I think that that attitude of sending them back to their parish yes. is going to be key, right? For all the all the things that you wanted you want them to do uh, as a large group, that they're going back to their parish with something that they've received that they're going to then be able to be contributing members of, of their parish. That's, yeah. that's really important. Yeah. I think it's, it's, um, so how do you keep, how, how do you emphasize that, that piece of it though? Like we're, we're doing something to build you up here, but we, we I think right home. now 
Like in the best way. Yeah, no, I think home. right now the thing we're, we're yeah, go home. It's eight thirty. I yell at them. So I'm like, guys, it's nine o'clock. Go home. Why are we still here? Uh, I honestly, right now we're, we're we haven't gotten to like send them back piece yet, just because of COVID. Like everything's gotten delayed. So like even our transition into being a, a regional group got pushed back because like we never even it's had a full fractured. year before yeah. COVID started. So like this is our first full year without you know, any interruptions that I'm, I, you know, foreseeably. Um, so like right now we're focusing a lot on the gospel mm-hmm. and, and just what the basic gospel mm-hmm. message is. We're using a lot of focus material to, to, you know, so they can encounter the gospel. And then hopefully later on down the line, we'll, we'll be able to go to the send and like, yeah. all right, this, now you have to go help with this thing, grow with this. Yeah. Um, but right now we're still focused on the, like the main evangelization piece that they missed in the last few years. I will say though, that the one, um, one cool thing that we have been able to do as far as like going back is we've been running the confirmation retreats at the various parishes. So um, okay. just getting to meet the the underclassmen who are up and coming future United members. Yeah. Um, and w- I think the feedback that we've gotten is that it's neat that they'll see some uh, like recognizable faces from their parish, but then also to see other teens from another town be like, no, this matters so much. I'm going to mm-hmm. come to your parish with my friends here from United that I met at United and come and do that. So I think that's been impactful and that's like, yeah, planted the seed for them to like go back to their home parishes and like, okay, what I actually have to say matters. Like some people want to hear it and, mm-hmm. and learn about it. So I think that's been our first mm-hmm. stepping stone for that. Now, I'm I'm curious how much of how much of your time and the reason this is coming to my head is because I teach CCD mm-hmm. um, and I have found that I I have to so if evangelization is moving the heart and catechesis is training the mind like a ton of the kids aren't evangelized yet and and I've actually funny enough it was on Restless another Veritas show uh, that. <laughs> get that plug in there um, we try to mention as many of the different veritas shows as we can throughout so yeah. let me be frank yeah. uh, joe and joe that was natural um but but actually joe not on joe and joe but joe on restless um mentioned that uh it's almost like you try and catechize people thinking that they're evangelized you try and catechize kids thinking they're evangelized but they're not and so it's like you've got nothing to build on mm. you know and so how much of your time, particularly because it's such a wide range of, of kids, like, like, I don't, I don't know how often you're meeting with them, but, but I can't imagine that it's more than at least like what, once, twice a month, maybe three times a month. Uh, we meet with them every once a week. We're every meeting Sunday. with them right now. So every yeah. Sunday. Oh, shoot. Yeah. That's so awesome. Every Sunday. That's awesome. That's super cool. But that's for, yeah. that's yeah. for youth yeah, ministry. For youth ministry. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. Then, but. Yeah. Sorry. Are you are you spending your time evangelizing them or catechizing them? You know what I mean. Like, so we're, uh, are you trying to move the heart of the mind? No, honestly, most of them are probably in. So like, this I'm excited. This is a tangent. This is not pre with the Pope. I'm like, how are we going to tie this yeah. back to marriage? No, <laughs> forget about that. I'm, no, I know. No, I don't have, have to. to. Freedom. <laughs> no. We'll get you so, there. I promise. So if you, I don't know if you're familiar with the Archdiocese of Cincinnati's um, diagram of the process of evangelization and discipleship, I, I would definitely recommend looking it up. But like, so they 
they give like eight Show different notes. stages of evangelization for people. Um, and I would, I would argue that a majority of our teens are in like the pre evangelization. So like they would consider it like the pre trust trust. So like some of them are going because mm. like they're being forced. So they're, they don't even trust anything Catholic church or Christian related. Some of them, right. only thing they trust that's Catholic is us. Like they don't even trust like the church itself. So right. trust us. So like a lot of them are super early. So right. like I wouldn't even say we're ev- we're even evangelizing. Like we're just planting seeds so that they can trust. When like and then eventually they'll move through to like curiosity and active seeking. So like once they get to the point that they're actively seeking, like mm-hmm. all right, I'm buying what you're giving me. Like where can I actually find it? All right, here's Jesus. Um, and that all That's happens. Like our right. Upperclassmen are right. Our so like our seniors, I like they may think they're a lot further along in their faith and like in terms of where they are in discipleship. But I would argue a lot of them are still in the act of seeking. Like they're like testing this out. Like, you know, I'll be I'm super Catholic on Sunday. But, you know, during the week, it depends on what friend is talking to me. Um, but like that, right. like now we're evangelizing them and it's taken like three years to get to this point where like we've built that relationship where they can, we can challenge them and say like, Hey, this is the gospel. You need to respond to this. Like, this is not something worth just like you can give a half right. yes and feel like it's actually, um, and right. And like, honestly, I, I in the amount of, sorry, I, sorry. Okay. In the amount of like youth <laughs> ministry we've done, if I can, if a teen can graduate our program and having like just actively seeking the, the, a relationship with Christ and is going to bring that into college, then I'm happy. Because I, I, I used to think that like, oh, they're going to be on fire by the time they're done with high school. And then like, I'm looking at Facebook pictures and like, what happened to this kid? So like, I, I, right. I've learned to like, all right, temper myself <laughs> a little bit. Like this is, this is a process. This is a stage like, and catechesis is still right. happening with them. Like I have college students still texting me and like, all right, what well, what about this? What about this? And like, so like I, unfortunately, youth ministry never stops, and it is forever and ever. Right. But but also fortunately, it's too, very true right? that youth ministry yeah. never oh, stops. Yeah. I mean, I can tell you that I called Father Sam from from college, mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. and and you know, quite frank, I don't remember. I don't know if you remember this conversation, Father. <laughs> Do you remember me calling you after freshman year and being like, "I don't believe any of this." <laughs> Yep. Yeah. Oh, I do. Very well. Do you remember like, what you well, said? Because <laughs> I do. <laughs> I don't remember what I. I don't remember what your I, what exact I said, words but... were. Well, that's bad. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I know. <laughs> but but I mean that's beautiful, right? That that you because you, you said you said unfortunately, right? Youth youth ministry never stops, but like also that's great. You yeah. know what I mean? That they're so comfortable with you that they are willing to call you after the fact, yeah. mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And be like, Hey, I got a question about this. Yeah. You know, that's, that's great. That's what it's all about. Yeah. yeah. I will say too, one of the, um, I think the best things that youth groups can do is just provide the opportunities for the sacrament as often as possible, whether or not they like fully understand what they're being exposed to at that time. Um, to like, if you're trying to take all of that power and control yourself and like, if I just say this the right way or explain this the right way, or, you know, the, the lighting is this way and the music is that way, like, then you're missing the point, like just bringing them to grace. Um, because there's so many kids that'll be like, I don't even understand this, but like something's happening Mm -hmm. here. And so like adoration Mm -hmm. is a really big part of our, like it happens at least once a month for our youth group is adoration and confession. Um, we pray the rosary at least once a month and just like just that exposure whether they're bored or like restless for the majority of it um they they just they came face to face with jesus so there's 
some mm-hmm. sort of impact happening. Yeah, like we had one teen right. join last year. So he joined his senior year. He was an atheist, yeah. um, ex-Mormon. Um, joined our joined a youth group because a friend invited him, who was who he is super solid on fire, um, and he joined it. He stayed the whole year and ended up. He goes to mass every Sunday, doesn't receive. He understands he understands what the Eucharist is, but isn't you know, he isn't ready to take the jump into RC, RCIA. Um, but now he's at college and he doesn't go to a Catholic college, but he still found the Newman Center, found where he needs to go to mass. So he's still going to mass every Sunday. Not has not right. joined the program yet. Wow. But he's still, he's doing it, and he's like, I'm still, you know, I love it here, but I'm not sure yet. Okay. And like, yes, that's, and praise right, God. and like, that's, like, that's a win to me. Like, it, it, yeah. It's, it's amazing. It's, yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, so he yes. went, he went looking, he went looking while he was on his, uh, on his, on his campus. Uh, he, he went looking to see what, yeah. what he could find. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic. And it's because of that seed that you guys yeah. were able to, to plant for him. Wow. Yeah. Nice. That's amazing. Yeah. It's ins- incredibly great. humbling because, like, I it's not because um, of anything we do. No. Like, we're just we just say yes and show up. <laughs> we're just there. <laughs> we're just there. Yeah. When you were talking about going and doing the, those confirmation retreats, um, are are you bringing some of your your teens from your from from the group to to help you with those yes. with yeah, those absolutely. retreats as well? Uh, or is it just you guys no. doing the retreats? So we by actually, yourself? I think the formula that we did this year was probably the most successful. Is we did the main like talks you know the the 10 minute like here's here are the three important things we want you to take away from here and we each kind of like took one but then the the teens and then the other core members of the group ran the small groups so it wasn't like the lecturer was also the like okay, okay so tell me what you thought about what i said was it good did you did it hit your heart and like everything is <laughs> is everything changed like now do you like me um, so like, yeah, we were kind of like the messengers, but they were like the boots on the ground. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And they were the, asking the questions cool. and sharing their experience. And, and I think the small group. Yeah, that's, I think yeah. that's such a key way yeah. to do it. Like that, that was, that's, that's what I experienced when I was in high school. So like going way back to before <laughs> you guys were born. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> you know, going way, way back a long time ago. I mean, the, um, one of the most powerful things was going on these on these retreats and and having some amazing speakers but then having peers who would come and and work with yeah. me in a small group setting and and to then have have everything that was just said in the talk kind of translated through yeah. somebody my own age or through somebody maybe a, a year or two years ahead of me but you know how it is in in high school if you're a freshman and a junior comes yep. and talks yeah. to you it's like yeah yeah whoa this is amazing. Right. Something's happening. It was it was having having that that older influence and and witness that made me think I can yeah. I can do this, and that got the wheels turning. That maybe this is something worthwhile for me to pursue myself. So I lo- I love the idea that you're you're there giving the talks, but then you're bringing in uh, you're right. bringing in peer witnesses to to minister to those to those kids as the, as they're getting ready for the for the next step as they're trying mm-hmm. to and even to the, go through the this. teens will then come yeah. back and be like so in me explaining something i suddenly got something differently like i knew what i was saying but then as i was saying it it hit me differently like wow this is true or this is real or the you know and and they're like cuz i cuz like you were saying like they they knew with their head they had been catechized but somehow in communicating that to somebody else it went to the heart you know and and giving right. them that opportunity mm-hmm. Um, I think is really important. Yeah, and I also think it helped them 
Like they're learning how to accompany people that they're a couple steps ahead of. Mm-hmm. Like one of the one of the comments some of our high schoolers said about the because the retreat was for seventh graders that we did. Um, so we so the high schoolers were talking to seventh graders, and then during like one of the breaks, this the high schoolers came up to me and they're like, "Yeah, some of their problems like they they act like it's a really big deal, but it's really not a big deal." I was like, "Yeah." Yeah, how do you think I feel when I talk to you? <laughs> and they started laughing, and I was like, "What you have to do is like you have to, you have to like you have to level with them, and you have to encourage them, and it's a big deal to them. That's their world, so you have to meet them where they're at. The same way I meet you where you're at." And like they were like, "Do you really?" I was like, "Yes, I do. That's yeah. why we're here." And but like there are seniors now. So yes, much of youth yes. ministry is just telling you, yes. okay. It's, it's, okay. it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. At least It'll five of those conversations. You're gonna be last night. okay. It's, it's not gonna. It's not that nope, ter- it's terrible. It's gonna be okay, guys. <laughs> yep. Yeah, the number of times I had to say that to Matt just in his senior year of high school alone, like Matt, it's gonna be okay. Don't worry about it. Like you didn't, you didn't ruin yeah. everything. Your your entire future is no longer. Yeah. It's not bleak as a result yeah. of that. You're yeah. fine. Everything's yeah. Everything's it was fine. in particular when I was. Yeah. All right. Well, th- no, nah, it's okay. So I, I <laughs> that brings me to, 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 to the next point. Oh, you, you got a question. Yeah. All right. Go, so ask you talked question. about good, good, uh, bringing the question. kids to the sacraments. Okay. Now I do want to, and perhaps I'm doing it prematurely. Father, father might be upset with me, but I want to bring this to marriage, right? How important and specifically, cause I know that you are, you said your parent, a parent of five kids. Yes. First of all, that's awesome. <laughs> Second, how important is it that you just bring them to the sacraments? Like, have you, have you been able to see the effect of that? Yeah. For our kids? Or are they too, I mean, I don't even know how old they are. Are they too young? You know no, yeah. I mean? Oldest is Absolutely. eight. No, they they okay. need, they're like, so we know that the age of reason is seven, which I, well, that, that's another that's tangent. Another that's tangent. A, that's a tangent. Because I'm like, I want. Wait, so wait, wait. Do, do, well, do you now think I it's wonder with the way the screens affect the kids' brains, are like they developing Right? Um, yes. That's Go. What, I don't. I don't yes. know if it's seven anymore because, like, I've seen some seven-year-olds, and I'm like, don't let them out on the there, street. There is Sorry. no reason in there. <laughs> so, like, I just wonder. Like, there is no reason. <laughs> I, I've been wondering the same thing, Renzo. Like, I, are, are we actually looking at at kids? Maybe age of reason is not so much seven or eight. It's more right. like I've, nine I've, or ten. Yeah. Like, do do we need that that extra year for them to really? To, to be able to say they've they've yeah. actually attained that age of reason, and then they they can they can be so reasonable mm-hmm. about certain things, like they have the capacity. But yeah, maybe we've too broadly applied. Yeah. Well, and it. I th- I I would argue, I think that yeah. the science shows that uh, all the screens are delaying brain development anyway. So like there there needs to be I let's revisit it. But I think th- I think we need to look at that above our pay grade. <laughs> this is what we do, man. We go on tangents. <laughs> But they they also shouldn't be giving their right. kids screens too young, yeah. right? Like, what 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 are we doing? Why, did why you, does, why did, have you given? I'm gonna put you on the spot. Phone. Have you given your kids right. screens? Nope. No. No. I mean, they, they they television is the only thing they yeah. get. Television is the only thing they get. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can't live without a TV. Yeah, but there. But it's like <laughs> I've no, threatened they, it before. Though. <laughs> there's a very hardcore, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. hardcore no um, no, no video games, no screens. Um, I had a conversation about this with a student at my school today. Oh yeah. A 16 year old. Uh, Cause I, a priest once told me that. So, uh, his name is father Boniface. He's the pastor of the Dominican church in New York city. Mm-hmm. Uh, lower, lower, uh, is it lower East side? It's Greenwich village, lower East side. I guess it doesn't really matter. Um, but he told me that his, when, when I was going through pre-cana, 
uh, with my wife, <laughs> he told us that the worst thing we could do as parents was give our children smartphones mm-hmm. because it is the root of like, he, he said in the confessional, it is why teenagers come to confession yeah. because they got these smartphones mm-hmm. and they get in trouble, yeah. you know? And so I, I ended up talking to, you guessed it, a teenager about this who obviously disagreed <laughs> and, and I mean, she, she made good points in so far as she was saying, you know, well, what if, what if it's in the room? What if it's a computer next to my father's computer? And it's like, yeah, that's fair. You know, like now it's supervised, but I'm, I'm of the opinion that like my kids are not going to get smartphones. Mm-hmm. Nope. Like they're just exposed to, you know, so I know much. I got into trouble on them. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, even, you know, um, like even when when COVID happened and everything shut down, and then of course there's like a, a presidential election during that time. So you give a bunch of, you know, young brains so much access to like world information that they don't need to know yet. So there's even these like 14, mm-hmm. 15, 16 year olds who have these, they have such compassion and such a drive for social justice, but they're only given blips of information. So they suddenly become warriors about things that they don't have a full picture of because they just don't have that mm-hmm. capacity to understand well, like the fullness of they, it. They also, that. they also don't have the capacity to have a full conversation though. Yeah. Or like read an entire article or book because mm-hmm. so like because of TikTok and like their 15 second blip. So like everything yeah. is like, if you don't entertain me in 15 seconds, yeah. like I'm not listening anymore. Yeah. Um, and then 15 seconds is long. Yes. Right. 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 15 seconds, <laughs> right. 15 seconds is long. Um, for kids though, like, um, one thing I, I read is if you, if you go, I was Googling the show, it's Coco Melon. I don't know if you heard of the show Coco Melon. So it's a little kid show on Netflix. Sure. It's a little kid show on Netflix and parents use it often. So I'm sorry if I'm offending people that have used this show to like let their kids watch. But if you count how many, um, count how many seconds in between like a, uh, not a scene change, but like something changes on screen, like a perspective, like a perspective change. change. Yeah, camera change. Yeah, camera change. Like it's yeah, it's yeah. usually averages at three seconds. So like you count one, two, three, and something news up, and it's so to keep the kids' attention. Whereas like if you look right. at something like Mister Rogers' Neighborhood, like oh. that took like it, it was so much longer before something would change. And then they did a study to see yeah. if kids watch shows like that versus if they watch shows like Mister Rogers. Like the kids that did Mister Rogers were able to do better on tests because they could focus for longer. So like wow. we're we're training our kids to not be able to focus from one year old one years old, right? Our me- our media, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's side note tangent on a tangent. <laughs> I share an anniversary with Mister Rogers yes. and his wife. Oh, that's cool. And also, my wife is from Pittsburgh. Oh. There you oh. go. So there, those are big shoes to fill. Just saying, wow. We are big on sweaters. Theme big sweaters in the Sparaza household. We're. Good. We're just yeah. We're just gonna get him a whole yes. bunch of those like zip up sweaters and some nice sneakers that he the can change shoes. into every yeah. time he comes in the house. We'll we'll change the theme music <laughs> of awesome. so that yes. you know it can be Matt putting on his sweater yeah. and sitting down and, and then asking you if you'll yeah. be his neighbor. It's yeah. it's it's gonna be great. People are really gonna know they're gonna love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're gonna love it. Like that's a great idea. I'm so glad you had it. Uh, <laughs> all right. So then, what's wrong with Precana today? Uh, I have uh, so many things. <laughs> like, what, <laughs> well, and I, I'm interested to hear what Matt's perspective was on his precana because we were releasing an episode tomorrow on human formation because we read. So f- I had to read uh, Pastaros, Pastores, Vabod, 
double vobis yes um and so like his i think it was uh section 23 uh, 43 and 44 talking about human formation and it's for priests but then i was like this applies to families and marriages and just realizing that like i think a lot of pre-cana might focus on like some spiritual aspects of stuff some like super little practical stuff but if a lot of us aren't formed humanly like with any human formation a lot of the things don't have a foundation to sit on one example I used was like, if you're telling somebody like me have a daily prayer life, um, but I don't make my bed and I have terrible habits, like there's no chance I'm building a daily prayer life. Um, so I think that's one new thing that we're talking about that I think mm-hmm. is, is hard with yeah. just like forming anybody. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So Pastoros Dabavobis was the John Paul II's post-synodal apostolic exhortation on priestly formation. Um as vocation yeah, maker, I had to be intimately familiar with Pastoros Davovobis. PDV. Or PDV, as we, as we call it in the in biz. The biz. Uh, <laughs> he's, I, I, think, I think you're right. That, that idea of, of human formation is, is so essential. Um, and and to, to give some, some real focus on that, what, what I've always seen is that it, it seems like we've presupposed yes. too much about where people are coming from in their in their own humanity and their understanding of marriage, etc. So, if we if we look at uh, once upon a time, you could think that uh, people had a, a certain understanding of what marriage yes. was because they saw it all around them in their yes. society. They saw it in their families. Uh, there were certain things that they they had learned how to do as as human beings. Certain ways that they had learned how to function within a society, within a school, within a community. Um, but as as things have changed socially, as things have changed economically, as things have changed technologically, a, a lot of that stuff hasn't been learned, but we're still acting as though people getting married know all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, and I think a lot of... Yeah, so that human think, formation component, good. And I think, too, good. to like add to that assumption is, I think, I mean, I've heard it from people in the background. So, well, like, they're already living together, so we don't need to cover that stuff. And it's like, well, one, to assume that of every couple is a little broad stroking, but also just because, like, even if they are, doesn't mean that they're doing it well, right? And that, like, so we should we should still be working on that because we want them to have holy marriages and we want them to have good families. Um, and there's also the flip side of, like, there's the assumption, too, that, oh, that, you know, they're Catholic, they did most of, you know, they did almost everything right. They're a, they're a good, they look like a good Catholic couple on the outside, so, like, they don't need as much support. And, and, and formation and, and growth and everything. And, and I think that's our hope is like our podcast kind of fills all those gaps, obviously in a very small way, but like it, we all need formation. We all need support. We all, we all need a community around us to help us live out our vocation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think like yeah. just from like a, like a structural standpoint or practical scam- standpoint, one of the weaknesses of pre canas now is, is also just how short lived they are. Um, you know, for, for many requirements, it's the one day or one weekend event and then meeting with the priests a couple times. And, and I think that like, if, if we're really going to try to instill value, like if we're going to try to share value of the sacrament of marriage, then we, we can't be afraid to ask more of the couples because we're afraid that they're not going to get married in the church. Mm -hmm. But it's like, but no, if we ask that of them and then give them something good, then they're going to they're going to receive that value and they're going to see that value. 
Um, and I think that they're going to reciprocate. But if we are dismissive of it, then they're going to continue to also be dismissive of it. Yeah. Would you like to speculate yes, wildly yes. with me for a second? See, belts on. Speculate wildly. Yeah. Let's let's go crazy here for a second. Why do you think it is that uh, that we're sometimes afraid to ask more of engaged couples? Is it because we're afraid they're going to decide that? Oh, I don't. If if you're going to ask more of me, then I'm going to go get married someplace else. Um, or is it, I'm, I'm suspecting this, like from the, from the priest side of things, uh, that asking more is just mm -hmm. making more work for me, mm. not for them, but for me. So maybe I'd be hesitant to say, oh, we should do, we should do more, uh, because it's just going to require more of my time. And I don't feel like meeting mm. with, with people that often. Maybe I think at least for me, from, from my perspective, I think a lot of, the assumption out there is that even if the couple, like it's better that they get married in the church than it is if they get married out of the church. And eventually by the time they have kids, they might start taking their faith more seriously. Like there's that assumption, like maybe on down, down the line, they'll do it. Um, so like, you're right. Like I don't need to do the, a lot of work now. Like I'm sure something will, it'll work out. It'll work itself out in the future. Um, and I think that's one of the false assumptions that like, Oh, it, it's going to work out anyway. Whereas like, no force them to do it yeah, because like this is good for them. Well, and I think, I think then too, even the, your, your second point about, um, from like a pastoral or a priestly perspective, this is more work for me. Maybe even this is something I'm uncomfortable talking about because I don't, I don't live in a, in like a marriage of, in the same way. So then are they going to listen to me? Do I have some, I think there's also like a little bit of imposter syndrome of like, do I even have anything that worthwhile, like sharing with them? Will they receive it? Um, and I think that that's also like is that rooted also a little bit in pride of like why are you the only one that's supporting the couple like mm. this should be a whole church celebration of a couple getting married in our parish so like it shouldn't just be father sam that's doing the the marriage prep but he should have other couples other people willing to like support yeah i feel like parishes should have like a team yeah. Similar like a youth ministry team. So like we were saying, like there's a youth group, we have the core team and then we have our, our, our seniors that come and help at retreats. Like we should have something similar for marriage couple, married couples so that like it's not just so like it's not just extra work for you, but like, all right, it's extra work that we're all going to do together. So yeah. to make sure that this couple is able to succeed. Yeah. Like you're going to go and have dinner with a couple that's been married for 35, 40, 50 years. And then you're also going to meet with the newlywed couple to talk about like, hey, this is what happened in our first year of marriage. And then you're going to meet, you know, like and, and just to have those kind of either gatherings or one on one get togethers and things like that. I think I think also, too, like. I would love to see parishes have more interaction for engaged couples because they're they're in a unique season of mm. preparation as well and like get them together so that they can travel through engagement and newlywed life with people you know on the in the same boat as them mm. um you know i i just think that like yeah. yeah if we're gonna continue to do this in isolation like here's your one day and here's the one priest you have to meet with to get ready like that's that's not how your priestly vocation like your formation went <laughs> you know like for your vocation so you know i right. think that right and and you're right like that is a lot of work to get started but i think to think that that's always going to be like on your shoulders is also a little bit um narrow narrow minded short sighted all of the above <laughs> yeah so at at my at my parish mm -hmm. I, I use a program called witness to love 
uh, Witness Love is out of uh, Louisiana. We might have to get uh, Ryan and Mary Rose Verrett to come on this show and talk to us about about what this program is because it's mm-hmm. really it's it's really remarkable. Um, but the the idea is it's it, it's to that point they want they want engaged couples to be connected to the parish, uh, but they want it to be the whole parish supporting them in some way. And so they they set them up with with mentor couples, and the couple the the engaged couple can actually mm-hmm. choose who their mentors are going to be, and then they meet with their mentor couple. Um, mm-hmm six or seven times throughout their 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 time preparing for marriage and included in that is also their meetings with the priest so they're they're hearing from the priest regularly they're hearing from their their mentor couple uh there's at least one meeting that involves both the mentor couple and the priest uh to talk to them about different aspects of of married life and so they're they're trying to balance the the theological component of marriage and the 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 things that we're talking about when we talk theology of the body uh the questions that that come up regarding what what the marriage what marriage means uh indissolubly as a as a sacrament and what that means canonically and what it means uh, and all the other theological dimensions that that are present, but then also the really practical stuff of the, of the mentor couple sharing, this is what we've done. This is what our, our experience as a married couple has, has shown us. And then to build that, that friendship that allows that, that engaged couple to know as we're getting married, as we're, as we're walking into this, we're part of a community that's going to support us. And we've, we've been taught all of these other really important things. So we've, we've seen what, it, what it's going to look like and, and what it's supposed to be. Yeah. I think I think it's a it's it's the way to do it, and I have found it as as a priest, uh, it it actually makes my life a lot easier, uh, because as as much as I I've had to to connect sometimes the engaged couples with a mentor couple, but in in so many ways it becomes easier because now I don't have to keep track of them. I just check in with the mentor couple mm-hmm. and say, uh, where are they? Have they have they gotten to that fourth session yet? Is it time for me to come and have dinner with you? Because that's the other part. I get dinner out of this. Uh, do you have any idea how fantastic it is? Like, I get I, next week. I get to have a dinner with with uh, one of my engaged couples and and their mentors, and and we get to talk about about marriage. We get to sit there, eat a nice meal, awesome. and talk yeah. about marriage. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's it's such a nice thing to do. I don't understand priests who will go with the. Um, I'd rather have a funeral no. than a wedding. But have you ever heard that? Yeah, a little. That priests would priests would rather have a funeral yeah, than a wedding. Oh. I mean. I've had in um, 15 years as a priest almost, um, and in in that time, maybe three or four weddings that I just really wish that mm. I didn't have to yeah. deal with. <laughs> All the rest have been great. I've had way yeah. more funerals that were nightmares, um, and and not because of tragic circumstances. The the tragic circumstances funerals that I've I've had have actually been some of the most beautiful mm. and moving experiences but it's the it's the ones that are are more yeah. run of the mill I hate to say it that way cuz I don't mean it that way every funeral's deeply personal for every family right every every single one it's it's you got to value the 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 experience that they're that they're going through but like sometimes funerals are a nightmare the stuff people want to do and the the crazy things that they that they're bringing up you're like what am I supposed to do with this weddings at least you just say no we yeah. really prefer yeah. that you not blow bubbles in yeah. church and they go, oh, okay. Yeah. And they yeah. kind of move on with their life and it's, it's fine, you know. And you say at a funeral, no, you can't have Frank Sinatra as, as the closing hymn. And, and they look at you like you are the meanest person in the world and, and like you have just insulted their mother's entire <laughs> life and memory. And it's like, I don't, I don't know what to do with that. But at least with a wedding, you go like, no, we just, we're going to keep this classy yeah. and beautiful. Yeah. Like, Thank you. We appreciate that. Yeah. Would you, I'll take a wedding would any you day. rather... Um, <laughs> Would you rather that couples who are not very serious 
about the faith get married in the church for their mother's you know sake or or uh not um that's such a loaded question and i'm aware of it's kind of it is it's a it's a it's a but it's a it's a well-loaded question so i appreciate it the answer is both yes and no all right Mm -hmm. so as a pastor uh, from from my perspective, the reason for yes, the reason that that I would say yes to, I would I would rather that they get married in the church, uh, is is that marriage prep, that that time sitting with them and talking to them. If they're going to get married in the church, that means they have to come talk right. to me, and that might be the only opportunity I have to to talk to them. Now, I, I don't mean to make that sound like it's it's. I have to be the one to talk to them. I'm the I'm the one who can save them and fix everything. Like I don't mean it that way, but that might be the only chance that I have to talk to them. And if they're if they're already not super serious about it, then just trying to make mom happy might be the only thing that gets them in the door to talk about marriage. But then you have the chance to tell them about the beauty of the sacrament. You have the chance to invite them into something deeper and into something that's that's bigger and more important. So it's not just where we have the wedding. It's actually all about we want you to have the most successful marriage possible. And we believe that the most successful marriage possible is not only about being good communicators and putting the toilet seat down and putting the toothpaste cap back on the toothpaste, that the, the best marriage possible is also about your shared faith, your personal relationship with Jesus, and then that that's something that you're able to foster in one another. So that's the reason I would say yes. like even if they're not super serious, I would rather that they come to the church to talk about marriage than yeah. that they just blow it off. The reason for no is, has everything to do with uh, canon law, and it has to do with uh, the the aftermath right. of, of so many broken marriages that, as, as a priest, you end up dealing with too. Um, there, there are situations where people make a, a bad choice about yeah. getting married. And they, they do it with insufficient planning and, and preparation. But to make mom happy or to make, make grandma happy, they go and they, they get married in the church. And then they have to go through a much more difficult process when they mature later on. And having not had the correct intention when they, when they did it in the first place. or always There was always something, something missing the, the first time around. They then come back to the church like the the trauma of divorce and the breakdown of a marriage actually leads them back to christ and and leads them to god and it's through that process that they come to be reconciled with the church and to have this this whole new approach to to their their marriage or to their uh to their life and then Mm -hmm. they want to get married again they meet somebody else and they 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 want to marry um but now there's this obstacle of of a previous marriage um so that that's the only reason that's, I can that's say. No, actually the then, reason I've I heard. Before I don't feel like that's a sufficient of reason. like, yeah. But I'm I'm not sure that that's a good enough reason. I'm I'm talking it out loud now, and I I'm not sure that that's a good enough reason. I mean, I would rather that somebody not simulate the sacrament of marriage. Of course, I would rather that they not attempt something that they're not capable of. But right, but. But by definition there's, of there's, there's something to the grace. That but God by definition, can give. like like say it's an annulment, right? You know what I mean? They they end up getting the annulment. Then that's just the recognition that there was never the marriage in the first place. So they didn't really, sim- you know what I mean? Like simulates the appropriate word. They were right. never married. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. Right. So it, it is interesting. I, I don't know. We definitely, yeah. we encountered um, some couples through like the different marriage preps that we've been a part of that are. How many different marriage prep programs have you guys been part of? Because I feel like you've been part of various and sundry <laughs> iterations of marriage preparation here yeah. in the Diocese of Bridgeport and abroad um, with, with all the ministry know. that you do. So many different A, a lot. Yeah. Like cause some parishes. We, did, we ended or... up talking at like, I forgot what parishes we were at. Yeah. Like in other parts of the diocese that I don't remember. Sorry. Um, but yeah, so we've had like second marriage couples either for one or for both be at these like marriage preps. And they, um, they're usually the ones that are most complimentary of the content because they're like, this is what we were missing in our first marriage. And they're Mm -hmm. like, we're so glad that this is being exposed for other people. And this is what we really want for, for our lives because they saw it not go well. Um, a few weeks before our wedding, um, one of Renzo's groomsmen had actually like just gone through a really messy divorce and he wanted to like take us out to dinner. And he was like, mm. I, I really want to tell you something like I want to offer marriage advice. And we really wanted to take that seriously because we knew it came from a place of like, this is what, you know, I wish that we had done mm-hmm. differently and stuff. And, um, yeah. And so much of it was just like sacramental of like the, the union of, man and woman and like not inviting other influences into that um and so yeah i think to your point about um like yeah just it's gotta like how how can we share this at any at any point you know like just at least a little bit um so that something can hopefully stick you're thinking you have your thinking face I, on. So, well, because <laughs> I, I can see it right I, there. <laughs> so my my thought was, in more, more it was more of a question because I I read that if and this goes like for all the sacraments I guess outside of baptism that if there is no faith, right there isn't like that that initial deposit of faith in the sacrament there's no sacramental grace. Because like my argument was and I was arguing in my head as you were talking but like so like you would you would want them to get married in the church even if they're not fully committed because you're like you're hoping that the sacramental grace will be able to you know help them and sanctifying grace will be able to help them but then I was like well if they don't have faith though if they don't have any faith in Jesus then there's no like there's actual grace but there's no sanctifying grace working am I correct yeah um yeah, so the, the the piece that's that's important mm-hmm. is that there's there's got to be faith present. You're right, uh, and so if a couple doesn't believe that marriage is a sacrament, well then the mar- right, the, the okay. sacrament can't possibly take place, right? Um, then, like Matt said, they're they're just going through the motions. It's a simulation of something. If they don't believe mm. that marriage is sacramental, if for them it's just a rite of passage or it's a it's a social contract, and so they have to do this. Um, then you're right. Then there's there, there there couldn't possibly be the sacramental bond. But if they do understand that marriage is a sacrament, um, they might not fully grasp what that means, right? Like think about you guys now, ten years on from from your your wedding day, and do you understand mm-hmm. the sacrament of marriage right. better right. or differently than you did the day you got married? And the answer is going to be absolutely, of course, right? Like I, I'm 15 years past my my ordination day almost, um, and I understand the sacrament of holy orders mm-hmm. now very differently than I did the day that I laid down on the floor of the cathedral, 
right? Like I, I understand it differently. So the 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 growth in understanding is is one thing. So it, if if there's some understanding present, if there's some belief present, mm -hmm. then God can work with that. So that's kind of my reasoning for saying, oh, I would say do it, but also because that also requires then yeah. there's going to be some time of preparation. My thinking would would be that like marriage prep should help couples mm. in the in the discernment like the immediate yeah. ultimate final discernment uh, i always remember uh friends of mine years and years ago when i was first ordained they were getting married and uh, i had known them I, I know i knew him since elementary school knew her since high school and uh so as as they're going through their their marriage prep they went to the pre-cana day at, at the diocese and these guys they'd known each other for so long they knew every answer to every question they knew everything about each other and it was great and they're they're happily married today and, and doing really well uh, but they were they were so into the marriage prep stuff, which I wasn't expecting them to tell me that. I wasn't expecting them to tell me how enthusiastic they were about going to marriage prep. But they had their workbook and they were answering the questions and they were they were just enjoying doing this so much. And they started to to pay attention to what was going on around them, and they they realized that they were they were finishing the exercises before everybody else. And they're like, we're winning marriage prep. This, they were so excited about it. But then they noticed this couple uh, towards the end of their table that was just fighting the whole time and clearly mm. had never had any of these conversations, had clearly never asked any of these questions. And they said, wait a second, this couple over here is, is in bad shape. And they started to realize this couple might not make it past marriage prep. Like this engagement might not result in marriage the way that they're, that they're arguing right now. And they went, yeah, oh, right. that's why we do this. We do this because they walked out having gone through those, those exercises yeah. feeling like they won marriage prep. <laughs> they, they, they knew that they were doing the right thing. It confirmed for them, even just in that, that one day session, all those questions and all those, all those different points to reflect on confirmed for them mm -hmm. that getting married was, was the right move. Whereas for this other couple uh, going through that marriage prep, I think probably confirmed mm -hmm. for them that they should not get married, right? That, that to, to go through this was, would, would be a bad idea. So I think part of my reasoning for saying, I would rather that a couple who's disconnected from the church, but who wants to make mom happy, I'd rather they come and talk and at least get started with the process because maybe you can open up that door of their hearts to, to recognize what God's really doing. Maybe it's possible to, to introduce them to something. And then yeah. we can I wonder, we can see what happens. And I don't know how it, as a, as opposed to just saying no, you guys, right. you're, you're not you're not there. Yeah, so I don't know what witness entirely. to love is like, but I wonder if it would be possible if, like, at some point we had in the church like like a uh, a, a non believer ish track where like it was a lot more charismatic and like you need to understand the basic gospel message. You need to like it's to some degree accept this before we can go on to the next thing. Even if we have to accompany you through it, you have to go to a retreat. I don't know. But just so that, that that we know that that part is at least covered there, because at least the stuff that we worked on, like we never really talked about faith yeah. in Jesus explicitly. Like it was kind of implied in all the different like sections that we were working on. But I don't know if we, you know, specifically went over that. Yeah. I don't know if that needs. Where I went to my first. Yeah. So I, my wife and I started our pre-cana in New York City at that Dominican church that I had mentioned before, and eventually so we were we were trying to go to mass there because that's where my, my wife grew up presbyterian so she entered the church at this particular church mm. um 
and so we were just we went there because she knew the pastor you know that was like that was big um and eventually we moved to like we i don't know how to phrase it. i don't know if you moved to you know i was a member of holy spirit parish in stanford and we we transitioned <laughs> our pre-cana to there uh ultimately because of COVID, i think you know i think i think that played a big role um anyway we did our first meeting and only meeting at this dominican church and he told us i had just started my master's program and he told us like like we started going like i remember he like he pitched nfp and we were like yeah yeah that's great and he was like oh Oh, this is not usually the response. <laughs> you know, like, and, and it, I mean, towards the end, he basically told us that what he ends up doing in pre Cana is basically being like, do you know the basics, the fundamentals of the gospel? And more often than not, the answer is no. Mm. And so he ends up giving just like the absolute basic Bible message. And and so, I, but I think that's an interesting point, right? Like, why aren't there two pre-canas? You know, why aren't there? Why isn't there one depending on where you are? Mm -hmm. You know, so it's like I don't know. Yeah, and I, I know that was like a little incoherent, but no. And I no. think I think having that more holistic approach, like having that team approach, that that parish approach to pre-cana, then that allows for that to happen because you're going to be interacting with so many different people, and they have their own. Oh yeah, their own you know, their own passions, like their own charisms for like what I think is really important in marriage. And by having that, you'll, you'll hear the gospel and then you'll hear about theology of the body and NFP. And then you'll hear about, um, communication because you're going to be dealing with like so many different couples. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, I mean, and I guess that's our hope with, with starting the to become family ministry and pre cana with the Pope was to kind of be those conversation starters for couples of like here's a thing that happens in marriage and family life and here's how we've lived it here's what saint john paul says about it and like you go and talk about it because i think father sam to your point like some of these couples have talked about this over and over again and they're like yeah we're on the same page this is great and then they come up to another topic and we're like I've never talked about this before. I didn't even know we needed to talk about it or we've been avoiding talking about it. I didn't know how to bring it up. And and I think that marriage prep is such a, when done well, is such a good way to have those conversations with one another and with people that can, that can mentor you through the exploration of all of that. So. Yeah. Have you heard of uh, Pope Francis mm -hmm. talking about the idea of a marriage catechumenate? What do you think? Are, are, would you be on board? And, and understanding that he has, he's thrown the idea out there right. without giving any parameters for what it would I, look I've like. I've never heard of this. Can we, what can would you we define think of it real quick? Yeah, so basically he has he's suggested that similar to RCIA, uh, for people who want to become Catholic, mm -hmm. there's a period of catechumenate where you're, you're discerning and, and inquiring about it and, and trying to learn... Um, Francis has suggested uh, the idea of a marriage catechumenate. Um, and I think kind of going back to what we were saying before that we've presupposed for a long time that people know what marriage is all about. 
uh, and that they that they get what Catholic marriage is supposed to look like. But uh, maybe we're presupposing too much, and I think that's kind of the the motivation. So he's he's thrown out this idea. I I don't know practically. Mm-hmm. And pastorally, well, how exactly I, it would I'm work. I'm pretty sure that he didn't, they didn't release the document in English yet, which is a tad bit frustrating. So this is from what I read on Google Translate. But um, I, I'm, I don't know how it would, we would implement it, at least in like the United States churches. Like I don't know. I don't see how that could be done prior to marriage. One of the things I did like is that I think there was a part that suggested that there was ongoing accompaniment after marriage. And I think it was like for the next two years or something. And I think we could... I think we could, if we started there and, and like kind of reverse engineered moved and moving it into like prior to marriage too, um, I think that that would work uh, because I do think that at least from our experience and then when, when couples have reached out to us, like a lot of the big arguments happen between year one and five. Like that's when like there's a really big and can be very messy feeling out process because like you start running into things that you like didn't realize were things um, and having a mentor couple that is continually walking with you until like, are you reach the five year mark? Like, okay, now you can be a mentor couple too, or something like that. Um, I think that would be beneficial. I just don't know how we can get couples to that are already struggling with the fact they can't get married on a beach to then go through like a year, two year catechumenate. I don't, I don't see that working that way. Yeah. But I think he, I, I think Pope Francis is like referencing JP twos. Okay. I like when he, defines what marriage prep is supposed to be it's supposed to start with the family and then it's supposed to be ongoing and it's supposed to be past like marriage and then you start it over because you're now the family um so i i do think that it's good that that gap is still being identified and there's something that needs to be done um Mm -hmm. and i i agree with you i think like one thing the catholic church is really good at is record keeping so like we know who got married in that church (laughs) and where they are and who their grandma is so like i think that yeah supporting those couples that have been married for a year or two or you know like afterwards just like just being available um i think it like especially in the world where I, I think everybody can see that we're disconnected and we're only connected mostly through like our phones and things like that, that like when authentic opportunities for relationship and community building appear, like people are drawn to that and they don't always know why, but I think like for a thing like that to exist, is every couple going to like sign up and be super gung ho about it? No, but like if it starts somewhere, then you've also like built communities for those families, like as they start having children, as their children grow. And that's, those are the kind of friendships that like are life giving, mm-hmm. you know, when they, when they start, um, when they start with the foundation mm-hmm. of, of faith, but also like of, of formation of like human formation and how does this work and how do, how do we live life? <laughs> that kind of stuff. Right. Now, yeah. knowing that I'm putting you on the spot a little bit, um, no reverse engineering it. I just got married. You've been married for ten years. What advice would you give me? <laughs> uh, right, walk with me a little bit. I I say this with all humility, fully knowing that I am also in the same boat as you. But like everything you think you know, no, no, <laughs> nothing, not gonna work. And I know for like, I'm going on 10 years. I know in 10 years from now, I'm going to look at the same, be, look at myself at 33 and be like, yeah, you knew nothing. You thought you knew things. Here getting interviewed for nothing. Um, just like I, I struggled so personally. I know like I, 
like the first five years of marriage, like was a lot of undoing of things that I didn't realize were on my heart and needed to be fixed and needed to be healed. Like there was, it, it was like God literally, like you talk about like God, God needs to like pull out the poison of sin in your life. Like he was just taking sledgehammers to things just to break them down so that he could heal them. Like it was, and like that's, that was the sacrament working. So like, thanks be to, be to God that it was there. But like, there was just so many hard moments. And like Monica and I have shared about this, but like just being like, did I make a mistake? Like, did, is this what, like, did we really sign up for this? this is not who I thought I married. This is not you know, what I thought life was going to be like. And you and we felt like we mastered marriage. Prep. Yeah, we like, did. We knew all the we answers. We did. We didn't even answer everything and <laughs> yeah. right. got it right. So, like, you wouldn't have... Th- you wouldn't... We yeah. did. <laughs> Where's my trophy? <laughs> but, like, you trophy. wouldn't have thought that of us if you saw us at marriage prep, or even just knowing us, but, like, there was just so many struggles that were, we were just... You couldn't prepare for them. Yeah. Like, there was no way of preparing for right. them. Like, you... The preparation was, like, realizing, like, all right, there's grace here, and, like, we need to rely on Jesus because this is going to fall apart if we just rely on ourselves. Um, and then just trusting through that process and then like being not that we're on the other end, but like we're, we're on the other end of that first stage. We know that like it was definitely worth it. Marriage is, is definitely a good that people should, uh, willingly enter. Um, but like, it was just like, I don't know, you got it. You got to make sure you're praying together. You got to make sure you're praying because like things will just come mm-hmm. up that you like, and it's not any fault of your own, but like there, God is going to use this to perfect you. Yeah. And like he mm-hmm. uses fire to do that. Yeah. I think. And I think, like, along those lines, my advice would be, um, like, there's going to be parts of you that want to avoid those things. Like, either run away and hide or just, like, sweep them under the rug. It doesn't always have to be these big deal things, but the more that you... the more that you follow along with that temptation to like avoid the the disc- the uncomfortable thing, the thing like, ah, oh, do I really need to bring this up and talk about it? Um, do I really need to go to confession for that? Should I like, uh, I can probably figure it out without praying. Like all of those like tiny moments are what will either make or break the big moments. Because like if you haven't practiced that in the smaller mm-hmm. moments, then when, when the, the big stuff happens, you don't know like you don't know how to trust and you don't know how to lean on your spouse you don't know how to enter those hard conversations if you haven't willingly gone into the smaller ones um and i think that yeah god sorry go ahead well i was gonna say i know that since getting married every single time i've gone to confession thus far i think i have led with like for being a bad husband Mm. do you know what Mm. i mean like i'm like i'm recognizing i've already recognized in myself just how much I need grace mm-hmm. to do this, yeah. Because like it turns, I like I'm. I mean, I I know I'm a passionate person, so so I've always fallen to passions, whether it be whether it be lust or whether it be like a temper, you know. But like I've already recognized that, like oh my gosh, I get angry so easily, mm-hmm. yeah. Like and I've and I interiorized it, you know. And so it was like it was really big for me. Most recently, I mean, I I went to confession like last week about this, you know. And I noticed the change. Mm. I noticed the change in that, granted, it's been like mm. four or five days. I've been more patient, mm-hmm. you know, but like, but it, but it really was something that like, I was like, I didn't, I didn't think this was going to be an issue. Yeah. yeah. Right. You know, yeah. and it's, I thought that I knew there was going to be issues, but I didn't think me, I didn't think I was going to be upset of that. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, and it's so humbling too, you know? because it's like, okay, it's not just between me and God mm. anymore, but like all of those inclinations mm. now impact somebody else. So not only do I need to go to confession, yeah. but I also need to apologize to the person that was the target. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And well, like, 
sorry and like the also the grace to like receive that like to one to receive the mercy from your spouse or also to be the one to offer the mercy is also really humbling because you're like I that really hurt or that really made me mad but like you're here asking for forgiveness and like that's challenging me in a way that I've never been challenged before too um and to Mm -hmm. like like you're saying, you're recognizing a change in yourself. Like if you recognize that in your wife, like speak truth to that, like speak that out loud as well. That like, like I see you working on this thing because if we, again, if we continue to interiorize it, that continues to separate us. Like, okay, I brought this to Mm -hmm. confession Mm -hmm. and I'm working on this. And then for the other to like, I saw you hold your tongue that time. Like, thank you. Thanks for letting me finish or like whatever. Those are Mm. really good tools to like help encourage that virtue and to help encourage leading into that right. grace. Well, like I know one thing that helped me a lot because like I, I, and I still, I still do, but like I remember struggling a lot with oscillating between like, I don't, I'm not going to do these things anymore. And like being so determined, I'm not going to do this anymore. And then being like, crap, I did them. I'm a terrible husband. And like just, and it just, it would just be those two things back and forth. <laughs> and then letting like eventually God showing me that like, yes, you are doing these things. You're still failing and your wife still loves you. Okay, and like learning to receive that, and then on top of that, be like, I love you more than she does. Do you understand how loved you are? I'm like, no, I don't. Like, I don't understand because, like, all the failures like keep piling up, and like, but God still chooses me. He still loves me. He still has me in this vocation. His, he's blessed me with five kids to like to lead the family. And do you see how much of a screw up I am? Yes, I do. Your wife still loves you. She's the, t- she's like, she, Monica, a lot of times I say is like the, the physical embodiment of like, wow, this is what love is. Like, despite all my failings, like you're still here. And like, yeah, God loves you more than that. And just, that's also a, a part of it. Cause like, it's easy, I think as guys to like, f- uh, to point out our failures and like, just lean on them and be like, see, like, oh, you, we are still screwing up with the same thing. But then like, do we have to rem- like the other part of like, no, but we're also deeply loved. And like, that's, there's just so much wrapped in that. And like, that was, that is, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting you're bringing up the, the, that idea of, of the failures and the determination. I don't want to, I don't want to fail this way. And then being upset that you failed exactly the way that you determined not to fail, <laughs> because that's something that's been, been coming up a lot in some of the, the reading that I've been doing mm-hmm. lately that, that we have to fail. And it's actually, I think it's something that John Paul II was deeply aware of, like, like our, our human need yeah. to fail in order to become, right? So, he, like, if you think of a kid learning to walk, mm. that kid learning to walk has to fall down. And the best way for them to learn how to walk is to fall down and get up again and, and figure out how to, take, how to take the next step. Now, obviously, we don't want our moral failings, like, our, to suggest that our moral failings are necessary is a bad idea. <laughs> but... To realize that even even in those falls, there's still that that chance to then to learn, and so to become better. So yeah, I, I failed, and and typically I think like men, we we just focus on the failure itself. This is where mm-hmm. I I didn't live up to what I said I was going to be, or this this is where I, I wasn't the man that I'm I'm supposed to be, and so we're we're kind of focused on that part. But then to remember that, just like you said, we're deeply loved, but also like. God loves us so much that he wants us to learn from that mm-hmm. failure so that we can succeed later. Like God wants us to learn even, even in the midst of that, that abject failure. And he's merciful enough to us that he'll let us recognize the failure itself, mm-hmm. but then he's also going to help us do, do better. better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's not. Yeah. It's not only that's pedagogical; the grace of the sacrament, it's right? sacrametal. Mm-hmm. That's that's the you whole know, point. So you're going to actually get grace, which is right. Awesome. Right. God uses all things for good. Mm. Who knew? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's this whole thing. Um, yeah, it's great. All right. So Matt asks you about what advice you would give to him as a, as a newly married man, the advice that you'd give to newly married couples. Um, what do you say to priests? Um, what, what do you need from priests as, as a married couple? Um, what would you suggest to priests mm-hmm. helping people prepare for marriage? Uh, well, Both if you're questions. helping people prepare for marriage, I think you, at least from like our experience with the things we've, um, people who have come to us for advice and stuff, um, need you need to talk explicitly explicitly about pornography and the the dangers of it, the need to to confess it, just like all the different parts of it because. Um, like we've had couples just through through our ministry reach out to us and like they that's just such a big struggle like it is it's i was surprised how much it was still prevalent and maybe that's naive of me but i assume that like because because mm-hmm. the, the, the science is out there because like you know all the talks and all the steubenvilles and everything that everyone talks about it you would, i was assuming that most men that weren't in high school anymore like at least knew like i shouldn't be doing this anymore but there's there's some guys that that are married and still feel like um it's okay or, you know, if I need a release for the for this month because we're doing NFP, it's okay. Um, and then also, on top of that, like, the sexual morality of, like, your wife isn't your release. Because you'd be surprised, like, how many Catholic... In, in Catholic NFP groups and that we're in, like, that's still, like, that, that's the vernacular. Like, oh, no, like, I, I need a release on my wife. It just, and like, what what's happening? So, like, there's a very... I think that just needs to be explicitly taught like the the theology of not just theology about it but just like sexual morality in marriage and just explicitly like no no nothing un untouched because uh i just feel like it's so dangerous yeah what does it mean to be integrated right yes yeah 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 and to like to not shy away from those things because there like when that temptation of lust like comes in then people can rationalize any anything, behavior. Anything, so yeah. by avoiding the like the explicit, then they they find the, they try to figure out the loopholes um, and things like that. So I think that would be, um, yeah, I would agree with that. I think the other thing for priests would be to help um, to help really emphasize the um, like the union of two becoming one new family. And uh, haha, that's where our name for our ministry comes from. But like, just the like that um, that split from like families of origin is really challenging. Mm-hmm. So to like to really talk about that, that like the pressures of that and the and the boundary setting and the like, it's not unloving to set boundaries. Um, you know, try to start teaching like what's toxic and what's normal, you know, that kind of stuff. I think that a lot Mm. of people have like, that's the way they've lived for decades, you know, in that family of origin and like what's healthy and what's not. Um, I think that's also can be a really important thing for marriage prep. So really, so you're saying family of origin. Can you, can you, what, what do you mean by that? Uh, sorry, like parents and siblings, like my parents and my siblings okay. and then his parents and his siblings. Right, okay, okay. Yeah, and just like the expectations of, 
what they're involved right. in and, and, and what they're not involved yeah. in and mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah, I can personally speak to that. My so I'm from an I'm Italian. Mm. My last name is Sparaza. Our last name is Sparaza. <laughs> but uh but her her la her maiden name <laughs> is McIntyre. Um that that's only barely related to the point. Um namely that growing up in a New York Italian family, uh we are loud and we are boisterous yeah. and arguments happen. Uh, and when they do happen, they are loud and boisterous. <laughs> but Renee's family, um, I think that she told me that she had like straight up never heard her parents yell mm. at each other. And I, I remember when I found this out. And, and you know, I don't, I don't mean in a bad way about my parents. You know what I mean? Like, because the, my, both of my parents are Italian. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. like they're arguably their family of origin. It was probably a similar situation. Yeah. Right. You know? But it was something where I had to learn to not, not, not even like not yell, but like not raise my voice whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like it was, it was something that just straight up did not work. Yeah. Uh, if we were ever trying to communicate effectively, yeah. um, so I can, I can definitely relate to this whole concept of having to adapt. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was something that I had to learn when we were like, I was like three weeks into dating yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know what I mean well we because yeah the message yet, that I... you're trying to send is not what's being received right like right like, like right. but I don't mean that like one of your famous words were just listen to the words I'm saying not how I'm saying it and I'm like that's not how communication <laughs> works <laughs> yeah yeah I once told I once told her I think we were we were dating for like three months and I I looked at she loves to tell this to people and I was like, I was like, we are such good communicators. <laughs> and she was like, no, you are good at talking and I am good at listening. There you go. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Fair. So, so even just like, because it doesn't have to just be tone, right? Yeah. Just right. the fact that like, I'm a talker, you know? Yeah. So I had to learn to shut my mouth yeah. for, you know, yeah. 10 seconds yeah. and like be willing to hear what she had to say. Yeah. You know, that was, I mean, that was a huge learning yeah, curve. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm proud of the fact of how quiet I have been. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this is the thing I wanted to say. I'm, I'm really glad that you brought up, Monica, the, the idea of the, the adaptation from the family of origin and the need to really communicate clearly. Um, and you said that to priests because that's not something that we often deal with. We kind of have our family of origin, and then our siblings get in-laws, and, and we kind of know them, um, but we don't necessarily have to know their families in the same, in the same way. Um, and then we get moved around to different, to different parishes, and either we live alone or we live with another priest, but if there's ever any kind of like living together conflict, um, I still get to go to my room and close the door. And he gets to go to his room and close the door. And and if I'm not happy with how things are going, I can bury myself in, in ministerial work and like find parishioners mm. who will have me over for dinner. And I'm good. And I don't need to deal with the, the guy who lives in the house with me. And it would be really easy to avoid what's going on. Um, and yeah. so I'm grateful that you said that because I've, I've found myself do that in the past. Um, uh, not with the guys I live with now. They're great. I love them. Uh, but like, <laughs> I have found myself sometimes avoiding dealing with stuff. In fact, I remember years ago talking with uh, a religious sister uh, that I'm very close with, and I was complaining to her about rectory living. 
and she understands me very well and doesn't tolerate me when I, I say dumb things. And so she said, you cannot pass up the opportunity to live in community. You have to deal with living in community and, and don't come and complain to me about, about your, she didn't say it quite in those words. She's very nice, but like, I also know how she communicates. And so I was reading between the lines, which what she was telling me was you're an idiot. Stop it. And, (laughs) What she was saying, the the actual words that she was saying, you know, listen to the words that I'm saying, not how I'm saying them. Yeah. Um, the actual words that she was saying were like, community's a gift and you shouldn't pass up the opportunity to live in it. But, you know, as as you're talking about this, Monica, that, that idea of um, understanding the, the family of origin, but also stepping away from it, understanding how you communicate and, and the way that, that you receive other people's communication. I mean, I think that if I had been thinking in those terms, I probably would have approached the whole situation very differently. So I'm grateful that you brought that up mm. for priests. Thanks. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And then I think for supporting... Um, Wait, what about my point? I wasn't paying attention. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, actually... To, uh, it's you, great. <laughs> you, you, your point about directly addressing things with with the couples uh, as, they're, as they're preparing, especially addressing pornography... Um, is is extremely well taken. Um, I think I think you're dead on. Uh, to I, I found as I've as I've gone on. So when I first started as a priest, all the couples that were getting married, whose weddings I had to do, were older than me. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first the first couple of years of my priesthood, every couple was was older than me by by several years, and so I felt like a kid who didn't have anything that I could possibly say to them, and so I was really hesitant. Mm-hmm. And then it was all my friends. I, in one year, yeah. I, I did about 10 weddings for friends of mine from grammar school and high school. Yeah. And so I was a little hesitant to talk to some of them, to challenge them on, on stuff because it was like, well, we're peers and, and you knew me. You knew what I was like. Yeah. <laughs> Who am I now to say anything to you at all? Yeah. But now as I've, as I've, I've, I've been at this long enough that um, the, the couples are super young. Actually, uh, in a couple of weeks, I'm going out to, to Pennsylvania to do a wedding for one of my former altar servers. Uh, which is oh, just a, cool. a crazy idea to me. Um, now that I've I've been at this for a while, I feel like I can say things a lot more bluntly, and it's just because I have I've been a priest longer than these couples have been together, mm-hmm. longer than they've known each other, and so f- for for me to just say it's like I'm just telling you what I've learned over the course of yeah. of these years of of experience, and so I'm a lot more confident now saying that stuff. But having those conversations more bluntly, it's amazing. And I don't know why I I would tiptoe around them before. Like it's just mm-hmm. way easier to to hit it square in the nose. Why why mm-hmm. pretend like that we've got to finesse this? There's there's no finesse, to, especially to the issue of pornography. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. speak to it. Yeah. Don't don't pretend like it's something that we can dance around. It's just it's just got to be spoken to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I think you asked about supporting married couples as well. Um, I think whatever you can do to try to foster that idea of community for for married couples to just like so that they're not living on an island in their home and like struggling with these, you know, whatever the sacrament is perfecting in them or struggling with newborns struggling with toddlers struggling with you know young Mm. kids whatever um yeah just offering opportunities for couples to come together in community um and then like practically speaking anything that provides childcare encourages that because like for us to find a babysitter Mm -hmm. to pay for a babysitter you know like all those things 
if childcare is included and we can go out and like have a good time, we will like, we'll go and we're like, okay, it's at church. Fine. You know, like, Mm -hmm. I, like, (laughs) I think that that supports like married couples where they're at Mm. in that season. So, um, yeah. So if you provide something for them, include childcare in it. (laughs) With childcare. Okay. With childcare. With childcare. Yeah. That's like pizza for teenagers with childcare for yes. the, uh... yeah. <laughs> We'll get the kids to come if we give them pizza. We'll get the adults to come if we babysit their kids. Yep. Nice. That's it. <laughs> That's great. Cool. That's a meme. All right. That's well, a meme. That's a meme. <laughs> Listen, guys, you've been you've been real generous to to give us this time and it it's getting late. It's past my bedtime for sure. I'm glad I took that nap earlier in the day. Uh, but <laughs> I, I'm, I'm really grateful that, that you're doing this. Before we close, can you just tell us where can we find all of your stuff? All of the sure. To Become Family, pre Cana with the Pope. Me? Yes, you. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, so we have a podcast on any podcast platform, Spotify, Apple, wherever you listen to podcasts, um, pre Cana with the Pope. Um, we try to cover all things marriage family related um it's not just for engaged couples um a lot of a lot of married couples listen as well it's really just trying to start conversations between you and your uh your beloved um we are on instagram at to become family um t-w-o t-w-o yes um and we share more things about family life you get to see pictures of our kids and some reflections on uh, what we talk about that week in the podcast or the readings of the day, the readings of Sunday, you know, that's, a, you know, a lot of miscellaneous, but just a little insight every day we share there. Our website. And our website is tobecomefamily.com. Um, there we have a blog and we share any new things that we're coming up with. And you can find Go to Joseph, which is Renzo's book, and Go to Joseph for Children. Um, they're both 10-day devotionals. Um to consecrate you and your family to St. Joseph and his patronage. You can find those on Amazon. And also on the website. And on the website. Awesome. Sweet. <laughs> wow. Well. Thank you for this having is, this us. This is great. I think that, that you guys made great first guests for oh, the yeah. tangent. What do you think? Oh, Mike? yeah. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we could go on yeah. tangents all night yeah. long. <laughs> yeah. This is great. Cool. Well, thank you guys so much for doing this. I, I really appreciate yeah. it. Um, yeah, just so excited to have you do this. So awesome. Thank you. Thank you for thank asking. You. Yes, you too. You too. Father, will you take us out in a prayer? Yeah. Lord, we pray for all those couples preparing for marriage, uh, all married couples as they are walking this this path with you, all those couples that today are, are struggling to to remain faithful to the vows that they made. We ask you to pour your graces and your blessings upon them that they may always know your presence, your accompanying love. They may grow deeper each day in the gift and the grace of this covenant and of the sacrificial love that you offer to us through Christ our Lord. Amen. 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 The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's all for the tangent. Thanks for listening. See ya. Outro music and stuff. 
Hey, everybody. This is Matt Sparazza. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Tangent. If you like what we're doing, don't forget to follow us at the Tangent underscore Catholic on Instagram. It's one of the ways that we get our content out to you. So once again, thank you for listening and see you next time on The Tangent. God bless.